Our reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 8, beginning in the first verse, just following the death of Stephen. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart might be forgiven forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is the word of the Lord. As we continue worshiping the Lord this morning with that beautiful music, we can't help but remember as we hear that beautiful music or look out the windows to see God's beautiful creation, 
that beauty is a sign of God's love for us. And we see that beauty being revealed to us this morning, even in the midst of a broken world right here in the world that we live in. And we see that beauty being revealed to us by God right here in Acts chapter 8 this morning. As we consider what it means to be a people of God that follow Jesus with an all-in kind of commitment and all-in pattern of life. And in the midst of this testimony in Acts 8 this morning, we get folk who show us an example and those who show us uh, some misunderstanding of the gospel. To help paint that picture, I want to tell you a story from my youth of some of that misunderstanding. Where I uh, grew up and lived for several years at one point was in the neighborhood of, uh, well, not, not considered uh, super desirable or all that nice and often rough. And when we stood at the bus stop, often things uh, would happen in uh, groups of kids that would gather there together. And so to kind of help dissuade some of that from happening uh, when we got on the bus, uh, there was a rule on our bus that we had assigned seating. That meant you couldn't sit with uh, the people you wanted to sit with, right? And that also meant for uh, nerds like me that I got to listen to interesting conversations that I would not have heard otherwise, including the girl that sat behind me and every uh, Friday would regale for us uh, the parties and that which was about to happen over the weekend, right? And then we got to look forward to Monday when she recounted Uh, all of the escapades. And this was a regular uh, routine, right? Weekend after weekend. And so it wasn't just me that got a little caught off guard. In fact, several heads turned when she happened to mention, I don't remember if it was a Friday before or a Monday after, that she would be uh, going to church that Sunday. And Uh, I kid you not, heads turned when she said that, right? And uh, one of the classmates on the bus had the presence of mind and courage to say, you go to church? And she quickly added with enthusiasm a strong yes. She had a very clear plan. She could do whatever she wanted on Friday or Saturday night, because on Sunday, she knew she would get forgiven so that she could start all over again the next week. This was her plan and her intent and her, of course, misunderstanding of the gospel. Now, the question this morning is not whether or not God loved this young woman or that his grace was certainly big enough to forgive her. But the question really is, did she really want it? Or did she just want a deal so that she could do what she wanted? Unless we too quickly judge her, we need to think about ourselves and how many times we too have made deals with God, right? God, if you'll uh, just protect me or do this, then I'll, I'll certainly do that. Or we 
laugh at deals like we heard in the scripture this morning by Simon. How ignorant we might think, oh, paying money for the spirit. How, how could he? Well, we'd be right to be appalled, uh, but wrong to think that we don't in some way or another try to do the same. By the way, uh, you know, theologians love to pick fancy terms for things that are going on in the scriptures. One of my favorite terms for making these kind of deals with God uh, comes uh, from this text. Uh, it's officially the theological term, I kid you not. It's called being simony when we make these kind of deals with God. Things that uh, I want to do. And so I'll try to make a deal with God so I can keep doing it. Whether we're like that young girl on the bus or we're like Simon in the day's text, we do it all the time. It's not as if to say uh, this is not what the Apostle Paul is saying in Romans 7 when he says, uh, with a repentant heart, when he says, oh, anguish, I don't... uh, do the things uh, that I want to do and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. You say that as a prayer of repentance. It's not that we don't continue to struggle. It's that do we surrender our lives and our, even our heart's desires before the Lord. We can even ask the question, maybe, was this young woman actually a Christian? Was she living by the Spirit? Now, thanks be to God, it's the Holy Spirit that will determine that, but, and that we can certainly trust the law and gospel to do its work, that God's word will be just, and that his gospel will be gracious. We can trust that God will do what's right. But it doesn't mean that we don't seek to live by the truth. Today, the testimony in Acts 8 gives us an incredible slice of many pictures and examples in the early church. It's one of the reasons I I chose it for us today so that we get a feel for all that's going on in the life of God's people. Not just the Simony convert Simon, right? To lead us to consider what does it mean to surrender to the Lord? What does it mean to sacrifice And as I already shared, it was by God's provision that he would give us living witnesses today, standing among us, veterans, who remind us of a life of sacrifice and service. Remind us that that we live by a gift that's been given to us. And that is true in our relationship with God, that we don't earn it. That this way of life called following Jesus, this Discipleship, this Jesus-shaped path is a gift. We're saved by gift. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. We give God our sin and he gives us forgiveness. Just in this chapter, we're introduced to many who are living this path. Stephen, who at the end of the previous chapter is martyred and we hear about him at the beginning of this text. Saul, who falsely assumed he was in in the right and was ravaging the church. And then there were the struggles between the Hellenists and the Hebrews 
of the Christian fold. The Hellenist Jews were those who spoke Greek. The Hebrew Jews were those who spoke Aramaic and Hebrew in worship. And there was tension even in the church among the Hellenists and the Hebrews. This is not a perfect idealistic situation that we're parachuting into. It is real life. And then we are invited to consider that Christians, because of the persecution of Stephen and that would now continue led by folks like Saul, later to be converted in the next chapter by a guy named, who would be, come to know as the Apostle Paul. Christians were being cast out of Jerusalem. In fact, the only ones who stayed were the apostles. Everyone else had to leave for their lives. And for that sake, by the way, the gospel began to spread because they left Jerusalem and they went to, as Jesus predicted, to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Later in this chapter, you'll read about Philip, an ordinary guy who not only leads folks like Simon to faith, but also uh, the gospel being sent to the corners of the world as he leads the Ethiopian to faith. The gospel is going forth because, in this imperfect situation, because of persecution. So let's ask the question, what do these folks sacrifice? What do they surrender? Or what don't they surrender? We already know from the very beginning, Stephen was willing to give up his very life. And he didn't end it with hate. He ended it praying for those who were killing that they would know that he who loved Jesus and loved the gospel, that those who killed them would come to know the gospel themselves. And his prayer would be answered, wouldn't it? When Saul, who was overseeing his assault, would come in the next chapter to come to know the Lord Jesus. Saul had to give up his, his beliefs, his community, his job as a Pharisee. His very way of life would be transformed. In the verses ahead, Philip, among many other Christians, and this is not the Apostle Philip, this is the Deacon Philip, the associate of Stephen, would have to give up his home and leave Jerusalem. The Hellenists and the Hebrews, the Christians among them, would have to give up, by God's call, their prejudice and lay that aside. And Simon... The magician would be called by God, whether or not he did it or not, is another conversation, to give up his means of income and power as a magician. For he was, as one scholar put it, convinced in his intellect, and so he believed and was baptized, though maybe not regenerated in his heart, to actually seek repentance. You see, one of the things that happens in this early church, it's a time when the community was literally, like one scholar put it, fighting for its life. But it would not reduce its witness to the lowest common denominator. It's not like when uh, Paul and John showed up uh, in Samaria to uh, witness and affirm what God was doing that they would just say, this is great, we're expanding. We'll take whoever comes uh, and makes any sort of confession. No, 
What's not surrendered is the truth. They affirm the evangelical work that's being done there, even in uh, their neighboring Samaria, who in their former lives would have not gotten along with their cousins in Samaria. But they see now the, the new Pentecost taking place there. And they pray for the coming of the Spirit. Don't make this out into a lesson about what baptism is and isn't. For they'd been baptized into Christ, but not the Spirit. What was that about? Uh, Most scholars think this is not a, a, a dissection of baptism, but rather a testimony of the moving of the Spirit. that we need to follow the demarcation line that the apostles make for us to receive forgiveness and the new life that God has given as a gift, not as something that is bought and paid for, that is empowered by the Spirit. So how do we live an all-in life? By being empowered by the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that is in you now. Today we have the opportunity in this being spread now in North America where we live to share the gospel, to surrender to the truth in our lives. That word being preached, and by the way, that word being preached, that word being preached Uh, You might think of a pulpit like this, but that word preach was really where we get the word evangelize. Philip, his vocation was not apostle. His vocation as a a deacon and the servant of the Lord was to care for those around him. And that his very life, he couldn't not speak the word of truth and the word of the gospel. So whose job was it? To go from Jerusalem, not the... uh, apostles at this point, it was the members of the body of Christ who went out and shared the good news of the gospel. And so an all-in life means that we submit our lives under God and His Word and His truth. It also means doing life together, surrendering our prejudice as the Hellenists and the uh, Hebrew Christians would have to do. And coming together as the body of Christ, even if it meant surrendering our homes and going where the Lord leads, and it meant paying attention to the people we encounter like they did in Samaria with the example of sharing the gospel with someone like Simon, even if he didn't fully get it. Maybe you're like Saul. And you need to be humbled and to be transformed. Maybe you're like Simon, trying to make deals with God. Maybe you're like the unlikely Philip, sent, not expected that it would be you. But he's calling you to speak to those in your workplace, in your home. To be faithful to that calling. I read a great tweet this week that Noah preached for 120 years and only six people came to faith and they were in his family, right? But he was faithful and we're the beneficiaries of that faithfulness. We're called 
to preach the good news of the gospel with our lives, the people we encounter. Or maybe you're like Stephen, and maybe he's calling you to give up your very life and pick up your cross as he calls us to. For after all, our Lord Jesus gave up equality with God as something to be grasped and surrendered all so that we would receive this free gift. God has done this for you so that we can be all in with God, with each other, and the people we encounter. And as we hear in this text, not by our might, but by the Spirit of God. A family in our congregation seeking to leave uh, to leave, uh, to follow the Lord by His grace and seek to be all in. The Anderson family who are among us this morning share testimony of how God has been doing that in their life here in this place and how they're inspired to allow the Lord to lead them to do this. And so I want you to hear from them directly this day. So I'm Dominic and this is Jessica, my wife. Uh, we're the Andersons and we've been uh, part of the church since 2010. We first came to Faith Lutheran Church. Uh, we moved just down the street uh, into some apartments there on Eubank. Uh, we decided that we needed to do some church shopping, and Faith Lutheran Church actually popped up on the first Google search that was nearby. So we uh, decided to attend the church, uh, went through a whole service where it was extremely welcoming, and at the end of the service we were invited to uh, a small group by the people that were sitting next to us, and that's what's kept us here ever since. We never needed to go to another church. What we love about Faith Lutheran is the sense of family and support that we've received here. Um, we are a military family, and so Dominic's been gone a lot for that, and I always knew that the kids and myself had a welcoming spot here. One of the most important spiritually defining moments uh, that I've felt here at the church was uh, just, I've gone on two deployments being military, and during those times, while I was away and I was unable to care for my family or be there for them uh, physically and in the present, the congregation as a whole had come together and taken care of my family for me and taken care of the, the house and the children and even uh, took care of Jess while, while I was gone. We choose to give to faith, both time, talent, and treasure, so that the future of this congregation is bright. We want it to be around for generations to come so that our children and their children and hopefully people after that are still here and welcomed at faith. One of the phrases we live by as a family is no one has regretted being generous and the more that we believe in it and the more that we accomplish it we realize how much more of a fulfilling life that we actually have as a couple and as a family. We see faith as a good investment for our time and resources just because of the community that we are building here as a congregation and the fact that our children want to come here and they love being involved in the youth programs and that's how we keep the church going, right, is the next generation coming up. So we see that as a wise and grand um, investment into our children's future. And it, and it generally just fills our heart and soul uh, within the two of us as a couple and our family uh, to look forward to spending time here with the people and just as a church as a whole. What's extremely exciting about the All In Initiative is that us as a church are, are going to be more unified in especially our missions and our outreach. 
we can go out into the community and have as large of an effect as we possibly can out there to lead people to Christ, but as well as helping those that need it. As we look to the future, we are so excited to see Faith Lutheran grow and just reach out to the, more of the community so others can find the same home and love here that we have. I'm Dom. And I'm Jess. And, and we're, we're all, all in. in. Jesus died and gift us with a new way of life. Not just to get, but to give. A new all-in life in the Spirit, empowered to be transformed. May we receive this precious gift that Stephen died to preach, that Philip shared freely, that Peter and John affirmed by the truth and the Spirit, and that we heard testified by all of these witnesses and acts and even among us, the servants here gathered to get today, the, the veterans, the Andersons, God's people. May we be all in serving and living this life together with God, with each other, and the people we encounter. And so I'll close with this prayer for us, written by Bernard of Clairvaux. Lord, help us see any points of self-seeking in our lives. Any way we're seeking your power for the wrong reasons may be being simony. Help us to seek you only and not merely your gifts, but to search our hearts today to purge us and strengthen us, to use us to touch our community, our culture, our nation with the name of Jesus, to point many to the fullness of life and joy through the Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.